time to get busy. Like we always do about this time. It's the Bigs. Here comes Stafford. And he's picked off. And it's going the distance. Eddie Jackson for the fifth time in his young career has a touchdown. You already know what time it is. It's the big. A drive the other way. It's going to go. Cuts lead. Number 11 for Javi. Officially rocking with the bigs. Tim crushes this ball. He throws the bat. The ball goes flying. It is gone. 2-0 Sox. It's us, the bigs. Oh, my goodness, Jack or Get out the way. You're rocking with the bigs. Right here on the Bigs Radio Network. And just like that, you are officially rocking with the bigs. The underground kings of Chicago sports, you can usually catch us chilling in every locker room and clubhouse in Chicago. But today we're supplying some audio dope at the, the Mess Studio. Shout out to our Mess family. I'm one half of the, uh, the underground kings of Chicago sports. It's your man Terrence Tomlin. Y'all can call me T. And again, you already know. Uh-oh. I need not a piece of an introduction. But Uh-oh. just in case you, you need to know, it's your boy Gino, a.k.a. Mama there goes that man. Mama, there goes that man. You heard him. My partner holding it down on the other side, man. Kicking it off once again, man. We we took a week off, but we back because we got a lot of shit to talk about. I'm sure everybody knows what we're going to be discussing today, man. And I, I really want to make sure that we, that we add to this discussion because I'm kind of hurt, bro. I woke up wondering, you know, how I was going to feel about what we saw last night. Uh, we did see a great basketball game. You know, we saw um, a team that's trying to fight for a le- uh, legitimate dynasty, a three-peak, pull out a victory. But it's the circumstances that stand out, man. KD finally came back. Um, we know what he brings to the table. You know, probably the best score that we've seen in our generation. Um, finally got back in the mix of game five. Played 13 minutes. And then when that Achilles went out, man, you know, we saw, you know, the, the pain he had to get walked off the court and all everybody's fear leading up to uh, that moment really got realized. And now we're, we're wondering, first of all, when KD is going to come back and, you know, if he's ever going to be the KD that we've come to know and respect and love, you know. So it's a, it's a serious topic because it's, a, you know, a lot of opinions going on, you know, on the Internet and. Wondering how the hell did they get to, you know, where they were at last night when now they're going to be, you know, without the best player of basketball. So what what you thinking over there, Gene? Well, you know what they say about opinions, right? Hey, hey everybody got one. So we're going to leave that there. But it was inevitable, man, if you, if you ask me. Because when he first went down with the fake calf strain, and I'm, hey. The I'm fake not a, calf strain. I'm not a doctor, so this mm-hmm. is my opinion. <laughs> and when he went down with the calf strain, what did he grab first? His calf or his, or his Achilles? He was definitely in that area. So, you know, and last night the man went and just grabbed straight for the Achilles. You know, it was it was obvious yesterday. And, you know, on the, the initial diagnosis, you know, as we got further and further away from, you know, the, the date of the original injury, everybody's wondering, okay, why is it taking so long for this dude to heal from? A calf strain, you know. People that ain't never played a sport in their life, that's who was talking about how long it takes to come back from a calf strain. If you had any type of injury, it doesn't matter. How can you ask what how long it's supposed to take? Everybody's body is different. 
That's facts. These are high level. Pl- these are the highest level of players. Mm-hmm. So if he was trying to get, first of all, there's no way that he was going to be a hundred percent calf strain, Achilles strain, knee strain, elbow strain. Absolutely, and no, really nobody's a hundred percent at this at point this in point season. in the season. Thank you, brother. With that, you know, to have an injury that was keeping him out of games at this point of the season. It was always going to be tricky as far as playing the timetable or when he was going to be healing. But from Golden State's perspective, I think they came out, you know, came out the gate almost downplaying it. You know, not really wanting to be specific. And we know coaches have their ways of trying to keep the public from knowing exactly what's going on. Fake trying to protect them. Exactly. And and I think Golden State definitely was playing his part in that because who doesn't want to three-peat? Right. You know, who doesn't want to become a part of NBA history and just cement yourself as one of the greatest teams of all time? I'm sure everybody in that organization had a, a one-track mind towards that goal. Yeah, I, oh, I, I agree with that 100%. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like we talked about last night, man, KD is one of the brothers, man, from the mud. And basketball is really all he's got. I mean, he got 300, 400 million in the bank, but and and people love to equate money with bas- with with real well not real life but you know they want to equate so oh, well he's rich so it's like nah man he got rich from playing basketball from who? yes so again I'm not comparing myself to an NBA player but anybody that's played basketball coming up on the playground in the hood in the gym if you go down with a sprained ankle what you do man tie that up a little tighter and we back at it so it's simple as that so I'm not blaming I wouldn't say the Golden State Warriors forced KD to play. Now that they entice him, of course they did. That's in their best interest is to get their their best player to get back on the court. Now, as far as KD is concerned, like you said, it's the this is the highest point of the season. This is where they need you most. So, of course, if he felt any type of, you know, well, first of all, let's go back to the doctors. And we don't even know what their message to him was. Was it? Well, man, if you go out there, you could possibly tear it again or you yeah. could possibly hurt it again. Or, no, nah, man, you're good. I'll, if you feel anything, it's just going to be a little pain that you can get over or this or that. So we don't know and what the doctor said to him. I think that's, you know, really what will determine how serious this situation is because we saw Rachel Nichols last night say that Steve Kerr told her that he was told he couldn't, you know, further hurt himself, that his injury had reached a point where that it, it couldn't, you know, resulting in anything more serious than what it initially was. 13 minutes in the game, we saw that come crashing down, and that makes me wonder what was being said behind closed doors because one thing everybody knows, like you said, KD wants to play. Right. KD wants to contribute to his, you know, to this team winning the championship, but he's hurt. You know, so at what point does the organization have to stand up and say, I know our doctors is, you know, kind of, pushing you towards the, you know, towards playing, but we really don't want to risk you being, you know, out for all the next year because we talking about if it in fact was a calf injury. Doesn't that just put your Achilles on ice? Yeah. On, on thin ice? Then that's why I said Shouldn't it that was... be the number one worry after an injury like that is like let's not mess up any you know, anything worse as Achilles or anything like that? Well, it's fifty fifty because he is a free agent and he has a player option. So 
if he was locked in for next year, then maybe they probably would have said, you know what, KD is a wrap. No. But since there's the we don't know factor, man, let's get all we can out of Buddy. And then it's on him after that. So that's my thing with Bob Myers, man. I mean, I'm I'm sure he was hurt, but those were crocodile tears. We we all saw that. And what about the circle? That's why you got a circle of trust outside of the team, doctors and outside of. I always stress this about your out your you gotta circle. Have, you got to have your your second opinion, man. On deck, Rich you know? Kleiman, you know his agent and all the other guys that got his best interest at heart. They could have been like, man, Katie, nah, bro, it's over. See, it's now, over. That's when the history of how not just fans but also media has really handle injuries comes into play because we know why KD played is because he wants to prove to fans, media, people in his organization, now I ain't no damn cupcake. Right. I I know I'm not soft, but watch this. Right. You know what I mean? Everything you know comes into play and it's just this perfect storm where it's just this this clusterfuck, you know? And I cuz I personally, you know, I slept on it. I went to sleep thinking, okay, he was going to tear his Achilles, blah, blah, blah. But I woke up like, look, yo, that didn't have to happen. You know, he didn't have to have some some injury that is is jeopardizing his prime. You know? Yeah, oh, man. I, it was tough, especially when they showed the, the slow-mo replay and you just saw everything go. Absolutely. Left no question. You know, left no question. It's like, damn, oh, no, okay. Like, just thinking about it. You know, and what he brings to the league, you know, it's oh, just yeah. a terrible blow, man. And then, you know, like you said, hearing all the outside opinions of him being soft, and then you seen Mom Dukes had to come to his rescue, and then even I list, I like Jalen. I actually love Jalen Rose. I, I love Jalen Rose when I first saw him and Jawan shake up at Michigan. I already <laughs> knew he was my type of guy. True. But Jalen Rose is, is, is usually always on point. And when Definitely. he said uh, last week, think it was Thursday or Friday and he saw KD warming up and he said he ain't right period and Jalen Rose is the next player don't forget Jalen Rose broke his hand and still got buckets and like he said nice years later he got five a plate and five screws in his hand and every morning when he wakes up and it's cold outside his hand is is on burn and that's the side that fans don't see period man don't get told about when when they're busy you know, trying to put this, you know, modern-day gladiator thing on, you know, athletes. They don't see when they go home and the the the, the ice that they got to put their ankles in. We've seen how some of these ex-players walk throughout these stadiums. Because they don't care. Like like DeMarcus Cousins said, you know, Boogie, man, Boogie. Boogie is a tough character. He's a tough cat, man, but he's also sensitive. And he, you know, he, he said it, man. They don't really care. All they care about is what we do on the court. They don't care about nothing else. It's, it's, it's in, uh, for entertainment. Yeah, so as a casual fan on that side of things, I think it's it's funny because I know a lot of people who they would have a sprained, a sprained Achilles and probably not go to work the next day. Period. And so for me, I think with the boogie thing, like if you're a player in the league or even just a player of a certain level of quality, how hard is it to ignore that stuff? What like outside yeah. noise? Yeah. yeah, different strokes for different folks. Because like we would, <clears throat> I would ask D Rose, 
you know, man, about Joe Cowley. And he like, man, fuck Joe Cowley. Not like in a in a personal sense, but he like, man, I don't give a fuck about that, man. I go to the crib and I don't have to deal with Joe Cowley. That's his job. I do me. I'm like, man, well, how do you deal with him asking you these bogus questions all the time? And he was like, man, just notice what I do. So I, next time we came in the locker room, I stood back and I just peeped the scene. And Joe Cowley would ask Poole a question. And he wouldn't even look him in his eye. He would look the other way and answer the question. And then the next person to ask, then he would look them in the eye. And it was like, oh, okay. So that's a that's an intro insight that y'all get that a lot of other people like myself don't have access to mm-hmm. you know, in these locker rooms. But these players, I mean, is it a situation where, because I think a lot of people yesterday were quick to blame the media, right? It was the media's fault for pushing him and saying he's soft. But I think a lot of times having you know seen a lot of people you know ask really dumb questions or really stupid entry-level stuff i mean like is it is it a situation where like they don't respect the athletes is it like i don't understand where that mentality comes it's from? a situation where they couldn't possibly understand or relate to what that athlete has gone through at all and is going through and to touch on you know your question before this you know everything that went down with d rose was five to seven years ago you know we really got a chance through d rose to see what a player's relationship is, is like with the media these days. And I think that even more recently, the way we've seen Westbrook push back at media, the way we've seen Boogie Cousins push back at media throughout his whole career, the way we've seen KD push back at fans, you know, and really not take any of that bullshit that we've come to almost consider normal. I think that, you know, athletes are tired. Of the extra stuff that comes from fans. I think the NBA is leading a lot of the way in that, too. They are. Yeah, they give them the space where you can say, you're a huff. I don't want to answer that question. I heard what you said about me in that article last week. Fuck you. And this is that era. Like 10, 15 years ago, this space didn't exist where guys could get their own shit off. So with stuff like the Players Tribune or just your own Instagram account. yeah. Yeah, or whatever account. Or in KD's case, a burner account. Come at me if you want, but I got smoke for you. On the road, I got I time. Be, I still believe KD is not the only NBA player. Oh, no. Oh, absolutely oh, no, not. KD oh, just no. the one that got caught. Man, they don't real, the thing they don't real, like T said, first of all, most of these media guys have no idea what it's like to be in the life. They think just because guys make a few million dollars, it's all sweet, but it's not. Now they can get their opinions off. Yeah, and it's not. And... Yeah, man, it's just it, it, that's a it's a touch. It gets touchy when you when you when you go there. You it know? does because you you know what bothers me. Like we've you know we've seen for so long these writers and journalists be able to say whatever they want to say mm-hmm. about the athletes that they cover, regardless if they relate to them or not. But the second we get platforms like Twitter and you know, athletes can have a space where they can respond to that. Now it's this huge problem. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, the the norm is, you know, he's fucking with, you know, how things used to go. And it's like, wait a second, y'all have made y'all careers off saying whatever y'all want to say about these kids and they parental backgrounds, all that stuff, Colin, uh, Colin Coward, and, you know, the things he says about John Wall and his background. We, you know, we know people that were still off people for saying shit that these media people say. Oh, and they, they get away with it on the daily. Yeah, but definitely wouldn't wouldn't want the smoke outside of that locker room or that clubhouse. Yeah. But see, on D. Rose, we know how the media treated him. We know that it's two Chicago's. And in situations like these, we get to see it again. Because, you know, all we've seen this morning is 
KD, that situation is like what happened in Chicago with Derrick Rose or Kawhi Leonard in, in San, in, you know, in San Antonio. At this point, we've seen this happen. You know, numerous times. You know, since D Rose, the same thing that happened to him happened to Kawhi. Right. We wondering, you know, how everything with KD is going to go down. But he's beloved. He's he got a fan base that loves him. What if it takes him a year and a half to come back? What if it takes him two seasons? Fans gonna be like, oh, trade him. You know. Not knowing that he did all, you know, it's everything is up in the air for KD right now, including his relationship with the fans. One of the most interesting things, and in, Gene, in, you talked about this in terms of the free agency, but like if you are the Knicks, let's call them the Knicks, and you, you know, you've kind of, you know, on and off the table kind of plan to have KD be the feature, this messes up your plans, doesn't it? Yeah, for the, for the, oh yeah, f- for the near future. But I still yeah. think KD is. You still think they're gonna go after him? I still think he's gonna get the max dollars regardless, even if it's Golden State for some payback for what just happened. I mean, he, again, he still has the player option for next year, which he could make thirty, thirty-two, thirty-one million, and that would be a rehab. But does he want to leave and go rehab somewhere else? Uh, you know, it's a lot up in the air. But I still think he's a max player regardless. He's thirty, so if anything, he'll be thirty-one. You know, he can get a four-year deal. It would be totally disrespectful for any team to come with him with less than a max. You know, regardless, you know, what whatever is going to, you know, unwind and how he's going to heal from this injury, he's a max player in this league. Um, You know, we talked about it yesterday, Gene. You know, the way he plays the game, his style of basketball, I think he has a good chance to come back and be impactful. Now, as impactful as we've come to know him, and we're going to have to wait and see. But he's a max player on any team in the NBA right now. One leg. Yeah, no doubt about that. So I, his 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 bank account won't be affected at all. But it's still comp, they still compromise the next year or two or however long it's going to take him. Like I was saying, the only player I've ever seen walk off the court with an Achilles tear is Kobe Bryant. Everybody else had to get helped off, carried to the back. And it's a long, grueling process. But, again, I think, like you said, the way he plays the game, it's not rough and rugged, more silk and more, you know, hey, mid-range you know, and long-range. He's an exp- explosive player. Well, you you, know, yeah, yeah. Key, you know, it's going to affect him for sure, you know. So, but, you know, what would you do? Would you would you want to go back to Golden State and, and, and pick up that option and, and rehab? You know, with you know, with your teammates behind you and everything like that, or do you go to a whole nother organization, right? Who have you know they're going to have their eyes on you for for the first time, you know, all of that goes into account now. He has some extra things to consider, you know. Well, I mean, I would if I was him, I would stick to my original script, whatever I was going to do before that. And you hear you hear all the rumors. We see Rich climbing all the time. They say he's supposed to get that executive spot in New York. So if that's the case, just do you and keep it moving, man. Like he was trying to do something with Golden State, which was win a three-peat. If they do or don't, it's over with it either way. If they win it, they got the three-peat. If not, go, you know, keep it moving. So like I said, his pockets are decent. Now, if any team is going to, you know, flake on a max deal, it would be the Knicks. Mm. It would be the Knicks calling themselves, you know, we're the Knicks, and we don't know if we want to give you the max anymore because we don't know how you're going to come back from this injury. Now, what if he faces that? Does he? It's like, look, I guess I stay with old Trusty. Well, that's because 
one of the you know things that's all the way out the window right now is everything that people were saying before the finals about the Warriors not needing KD. Duh. We saw just in the 12, 13 minutes that he played last night why I thought the Warriors could sweep them at four strength. 11 points in 12 minutes. And they needed that. He just got off. Like, yeah. it was, and the thing is, that was so frustrating was you, it was like vintage. Like, okay, he's back. Let's On go. the real. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. And that. that adrenaline wore off, and then real life came into play, and then that Achilles was like, ah, it was like that, <laughs> sorry, shot of, sorry, bro. that shot of espresso in the morning. Like, ah, ah. So were you right up. Because at 11 minutes, I mean, everybody was like, oh, mm-hmm. okay. On the real. Th- I'm thinking he on the way to, to 35. To 30 balls, right. You know what I'm thinking? Damn, they could come back 3-1. They didn't have to deal with KD now. You know, it's like, damn. But and- now but now it's going back to Oracle, 3-2. Now we know KD ain't coming back. You yeah. know, that whole thing in game one through five, it was like, is KD coming back? I that, know that they cloud had that looming over there. Yeah, head. but yeah. now it's over with, so now they can focus on just winning without KD and never forget that they were champions without him. So And they showed that last night. Anybody that had doubts about if Stephen Clay can get it done, t- show me another backcourt that could have went as crazy as they did in those closing minutes in the fourth as Stephen Clay did. You know what I mean? They, they went to work, really schooled Toronto, really put them in their place last night. And now the narrative is different because how are you going to go back to Oracle in this atmosphere, the last game ever at Oracle Arena, yeah, with Stephen Clay locked in now. I need to. I, I got to fact check this, but Clay Thompson is shooting fifty-seven percent from three in this series. That's you know what we uh, what what were we saying last night that everybody says Steph is the greatest ever, but second doesn't you know really fit Clay. It's like a one A one B thing. Well, we you in know? Chicago. I'm of the opinion that it takes two. Oh, yeah. It ain't no one-man operation. I, I mean, I think Brian might be the exception to that rule because he literally willed, like, the YMCA Facts. to the finals. But <laughs> I genuinely He did do two, that. But, like, every organization is two people. You know what I'm saying? In terms of the dynasties that we've seen, Shaq, Kobe, you know, Tim and David Robinson, and then Tim and the big, you know, Tony and Manu and all mm-hmm. that. Absolutely. So like, it's, it's, I think that's one of the most frustrating narratives about basketball. Because generation, generationally, everybody keeps saying, oh, it's the one dude, it's the one dude. But it's like, nah, it's at least two, at least. Because usually the one dude that gets the pro- – like like Big Mike. Obviously it was Big Mike, but let's not downplay Scotty. At all. You're like, how can you like, – yeah. Top 50 all time. Yeah. <laughs> Shaq <laughs> and Kobe. It's like, yeah, Kobe, Shaq averaged 36 and 14, but don't discredit Kobe's 25, 8, and 7. So who has been that second guy on Toronto, and who can can be that guy to get this one game that they need to win it all? So I mean, points per game in the series so far, the answer would be Siakam. Hmm. That ain't I ain't rocking with Siakam that. Siakam is averaging eighteen games. How many minutes did he play in the fourth last night? Three. He's three. Couldn't hit a shot. I'm save not his rocking life. with Siakam in the clutch. But he's the second. He's the second highest scorer in the series. Third is Kyle Lowry. Fourth is Marcus All. Third, second should be Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry is supposed to be the second man, period. Not, And it doesn't necessarily have to be points per game because that's not the tell-all stat. The, again, with these analytics and these these numbers, that ain't that's not it. The eye test is what it is, man. Kyle Lowry is the only other multi-time all-star on that team, man. Marcus All. 
Yeah, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Ibaka is over there. Now, the ghost. I call it the ghost of Serge the, the ghost of Serge. <laughs> <laughs> he just come out every like every like every other yeah. It's like that. Like, oh, Serge Ibaka. No, that can't. Let work, me get man. this one block. No, that can't work. Siakam, he had game one, the game of his life, and he ain't been not ain't been shit since. But the real Siakam has returned. Kyle Lowry is the is the now, second man. Man, I thought Toronto played good enough to win yesterday. At, at you know at a few points in that game, especially considering. Kawhi didn't show up really into the fourth quarter. Toronto was right in striking distance, you know, waiting for Kawhi, you know, to get there. And it just so happened Steph and Clay went up and snatched that one. Crucial turnovers, crucial points in the game. Absol- we already yeah. know the, the last however many minutes of the game is all that matters. Kyle Lowry turned the ball over. In the, remember, he threw the ball in the back. That was the beginning of it. Yeah. Then Kawhi scored 10 in a row, then didn't then, score for the next – However many minutes. Well, they called that timeout that, after that. Nick Nurse, let's put let's bring everybody up on charges, man. Let's not just blame the guys who get the blame. Let's blame to. everybody. And then I see a lot of people saying Kawhi should have taken the last shot. And it's like, no, nah, I wouldn't say he should have taken the last shot. But then this goes back to what I said earlier in the year when he was playing, when they were playing Milwaukee in them first couple games. And Milwaukee was locked in on Kawhi because he's not a playmaker. That's the time when you make a play. You don't have to score the ball like Big Mike. Paxson hit a game-winning shot to win the finals. Kerr hit a game-winning shot to win the finals. Now, Big Mike, you know, we all know. But that's when playmaking comes down to it, and Kawhi just didn't make the play. Did he make the right pass? Eh, whatever. But that's the at the end of those games, that's when you need a playmaker. He also, like, that, that last possession was wild, too, because he was off balance when he caught the inbound. It was. And then kicked it. Like, he did, I, I felt like he did the best possible thing he could have because he basically was standing on one leg. Still got the outlet pass done. Kicked it out to Lowry. Lowry just jagged the shot. Well, he, got, like, he got blocked. He got blocked. Mm-hmm. Like Draymond Green, which is, like, I think that's frustrating because, to your point, you're saying a playmaker doesn't, ask, doesn't need the ball in his hands in order to make it something happen. Um, I'm saying, no, the, you need the ball in your hands to make a, the play happen, but you need to make the play happen. Like, I'm not saying – he first of all, he got doubled. Yeah. He didn't have to get a ball up. No. He didn't have to get a ball up. What I what I thought about that last play, I thought it – you know, I thought they managed the clock terrible. I thought Kawhi, Kawhi got, got going with under five seconds to go, and he had to make a quick decision, and then everybody had to make a bailout pass and – Kyle Lowry wasn't expecting to take that shot. And when when the ball got swung over there, Draymond Green was playing absolutely Great amazing defense. Great defense, man. Give him that credit. Great closeout. And there it is. Kawhi really – you know, that was just great def- defense. That's what it I, looks like. I will definitely give you that. But I'm still saying, and I'm not equating Kawhi, because y'all can stop the Kawhi and Mike comparisons. Please. I know it's, I know it's good uh, – it's, it's all cool of that for the stop. internet and, and all of that and for the memes and the trolling and all that, but stop. It was too much the first time I saw it. Yeah, okay. and even Kobe. Like, Kobe is going to make the play. Like whether Now, Kobe is going to shoot the ball over two people. Kobe's going to find a way to get that We've up. seen Kobe pump fake six times with no dribble and shoot a game-winning shot. So, But, again, I'm not comparing Kawhi to Kobe, but I'm just saying at the end of the game, that's when your playmaking abilities take over. And again, did he was he supposed to shoot the ball on Iggy and Clay? No. Was he supposed to make the play, the winning play, the right play and the winning play, man? Like y'all, people always say, talk about LeBron 
And I'm a stickler for that. Like, I think LeBron LeBron will pass the ball without a double team. He'll just kick it because somebody's wide open. LeBron should have shot like 90% of the ball. And that's all, that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. He The winning play versus the right play. I want the winning play. I want the guy that no nuts, no glory, man. And last night, can't take much away from Kawhi because he played a pretty good game in the fourth when he wheeled them back. But, hey, man, that's how the ball bounces. And them people headed back to Oracle 3-2. And I, I don't see them winning in Oracle. They got to have they gotta have the best game they played all year if they're going to come out of there with a victory. And if not, you know, game seven is a free-for-all, man. And I'm going with – until you knock the champs off, do you know what? I actually think that it's going to be a KD hangover on Thursday, man. I don't know if if Golden State is going to be able to be themselves. See, I think it's going to turn into a pep rally. I think they're going. That's your that's your narrative. Yeah, rallying point. Mm-hmm. The entire the entire I promise we're going to have banners, mm-hmm. signs, his face. Oh we'll yeah, probably put him on the side of the building going in. But like, I genuinely think that's going to be inspiring because you saw the reaction. Like those two, you know. When Iggy and Steph like, walked him off into the locker room while starters, like you don't ever. That's what I'm that. like. I'm like Joe. wasn't St- Steph I, was in the game. Was, Steph was was in on the, the game. Steve Kerr, like yeah, Steph. Uh, boogie. Uh, boogie, come on, man. Steph, <laughs> what the hell, Steph? Like, hey, man, I, we got to make sure our buddy is all good, man. But like you said, don't let KD show up to the game. It's I'm telling you, it's Rocky. That's that's look the, he, look. Woo. Yeah, that that'll be cool for the first quarter. And it's they gonna still, be, you, it's going to be a shot of adrenaline. And I still think Golden State is a better team than Toronto without KD. That's what I don't know. That's what I haven't been convinced of in the three games that KD didn't play. And they beat what they did. They beat they them both games this took, season. They took KD both. KD had fifty. Yeah, they they took both. You know, but both Steph games didn't play. Steph didn't play. Steph didn't play one of them games. It's going to be tough. Oh, it is. I agree. I agree with that 100%. I think that once Toronto, because like I said, I thought they played pretty good basketball most of the night yesterday. You giving them time to say, look, man, KD ain't coming. You know, let, let's, let, let's end this tonight. I think that if Golden State gets caught up in thinking that it's, it's going to be a pep rally, then Toronto can come up and steal this game. I'm going to say it like this. You talk about the eye test. Watching the the body language of the Raptors after that loss, mm-hmm. Ooh, it didn't look because good. you know it was, you a little, got, it was, it was shocking. No, you got to win it at home, man. You can't go back to the to the ops territory and they the defending champs and they didn't seen it all. They ain't seen it all. Kawhi may have seen it all, but them other guys they shake it, not shaking in their boots because they're professionals and they get down how they live. But you give me Steph and Clay and Draymond in the in Game Six at the crib. I'm rocking with that. Hey, it's hard to bet against them. I'm. I don't know. Yeah, I hear you. I don't know. Um, I think it's gonna be a great game. I think that we're gonna see Golden State leave it all out on the floor. Right. Kawhi and them are, are good, man. You know, I think I've learned from how wrong I was going into this series. I didn't give Toronto even close to enough credit. Me either. And the, I still don't. Until they win, I still don't. I think the the person who needs to have the most out of control game of their life in Game Six is a man by the name of Marcus All. Big Mark. Big Mark. He's fourth on the team in points right now. Okay. You know, second on the team right now in rebounds after Kawhi. Like he's has the stats. He's played a ton of minutes. He's I think he's 
he's fourth in minutes played on, on, on the on the roster right now. Okay. Like Marcus All got to show up. Marcus All definitely because has to show up. Kevon Looney is hurt still, right? Oh yeah, yeah, he did go out with that injury so last you, night. You basically is Marcus All versus Bogut. Boogie. Boogie. Yeah, but I mean Boogie at the same point like Boogie. He, he cheating off of dunks at this point. You know what I'm saying? He ain't going yeah. up. He ain't. And so it's like Marcus Gasol, if you're going to be grit and grind Marcus Gasol from, you know what I'm saying, Memphis, you can see something happen, maybe. Boogie versus Marcus Gasol. I mean, this is not really Boogie versus Marcus Gasol. Because yeah. it's not peak Boogie. Right. If it's peak Boogie, that's a, we, it's we don't a wash. have that conversation. Right, right. But I think at this level, you have, like, <laughs> as funny as it is, we talk about, you know, the modern NBA, but this is going to be a front court game. I think the, this, mm. this one in the front court. Mark Gasol is a viable option too. Like at the beginning of the game, Mark was on point. Oh, he was in threes, middies, post game, yeah. but then at the end of the game, this is what I'm talking about. He was forcing fouls down there. You know, he was it was aggressive. Yeah. But then also those guys gotta stay out of foul trouble. Him and Kyle Lowry, they four and five fouls in the beginning of the fourth. So now you're not playing as you know, maybe not as hard, but you know, smart. You now you gotta now play you gotta smart. be smart, yeah. Yeah, and this we saw a little bit of that in the last game with that 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 weird foul that Draymond got called on and was like, you know, what I'm saying? The, under the basket. On Kyle like, Lowry. Yeah, oh, yeah. He got teed up on mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Like, one of the questions I have, with the, when it comes to these kind of fouls, you could tell, like, it's, some of the stuff is like a makeup call or like a ticky-tack little nonsense. When it comes to the finals, like, how important is, like, managing your fouls as a team in order to be successful long term? Like, because I feel like some players, it's like, you use it as an adrenaline thing. You get the crowd hyped up. You at home. Like, I think if that situation happens in Oracle, I think the crowd goes crazy. Right. And it's like, you you hype your crowd up, but at what point is that something that could be prohibitive to you winning the game? Obviously, you don't want to get in foul trouble early, but, like, do you establish dominance by, you know what I'm saying, back in the day, like the Knicks? They're going to take that foul. Oh, period. But you, you getting laid out. Period. <laughs> oh, yeah, they're going to make it count. You know, so I guess at what point is it about, you know, how important the fouls to win it? in terms of these kind of high-stakes games? I mean, I think Draymond showed a piece of growth last night because one more tech and he's done. So he has – I'm sure he knows that going in. I'm sure Steve Kerr will reiterate that to and him. He's been bit by that before. Before. You know I mean? So he knows. Like, last night was his way uh, – he had to get it out. And last night – and then that wasn't a foul. And he knew it. And whether it was a makeup or whether they thought it was a foul or whatever, he got it, got the tech – and got it out of them. So I think coming back to Oracle, like you said, it's going to be a big pep rally. You got 30,000 people behind you. So I think that'll aid and assist them defensively. And they don't really get in a lot of foul trouble. Clay picked up two quick ones yeah. last night, but he plays – He Clay Thompson play, and – and another thing, Clay Thompson is much stronger than – People may think he. I don't know what, what people think, but he's. A, they think he's, he's soft. They he's because he's light skinned Yeah, no, no way. Clay Thompson is one of the top Words five of defenders. You know what? Good. No, just one of the best defenders in the league, and straight up and down. Not mm-hmm. just you know everything. He he hits the glass. He he moves his feet well. He contests shots well. Oh yeah. And then on the other end, it ain't even a question. Like Flame. He's, it Flame was crazy thrower. when he said, "Yeah, man," because if you let me and Steph get off. Nine times out of ten, them shots are going in. So y'all better watch out. I thought the referees were petty yesterday. I thought they called fouls that you should only see in a regular season. And when you talk about games six and seven, it, I'm telling my defense, it's time to be aggressive. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a bar fight. No doubt. You know, this is for everything. And I think the referees have to understand what time of the season it is. 
you 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 have you actually have two strong defensive teams. True. That you know, and defense is going to be a huge part of the game plan. I expect them to be very aggressive. But what are they? But what are the referees told before the game? Right now, they got to be told. Look, man, it's game six and seven. KD ain't playing. These teams have reached a point where it's hot right now. You know what I mean? You got to put it in perspective, man. Golden State is trying to three-peat. Toronto is trying to do something that their organization has never done before. Yeah. We about to see some chippy basketball, I think, in these next – definitely in game six. But do you? But that's what I'm saying. You got veteran referees who've been here before. So, I mean, they know what's to it. So, But there is that message. You know, they had their meetings before yeah. the game with the, the NBA The NBA better officials. start preparing – for life without KD now. And one of the things that they should do is maybe we should let hard fouls come back. I would love to see hard fouls come back. <laughs> so would Serge Ibaka. Yeah. Uh, Serge is like, please. Please. Yeah, they done relegated <laughs> Serge to becoming a 15, a, a jump shooter. I'm like. A hitman, Joe. You know, you got to come in and lay somebody out real yeah, quick. Yeah, man, regular. You tell, there's a couple times on the rebounds, he'll be like. Ah, they got to hold him Grip the ball too tight. <laughs> yeah, man. You, you know, them flagrant ones. Just from an accidental elbow or something, it's like, oh, man, let's go to the monitor and see. It's like, come on, bro. It's a physical sport, man. Yeah, Y'all can't get the hit the monitor for everything, man. Just, see, we got the right players, you know, involved in this series that we can see a little bit more of a of a aggressive side come out. Boogie, who we all know right now is going to be getting more playoff t- uh, more time mm-hmm. in these, uh, this next game. Is, ga- is it Draymond. tomorrow? Is the game tomorrow? I think it's Thursday, two days. What's today? Two, Tuesday. Oh, damn, my bad. So two days off, and then the game on Thursday, that's, game seven, would be on Sunday. That's good for Boogie, man. That's I mean, that's good for both sides, but then uh, let's talk about the depth because that's a good part for the fouls that you're talking about because Golden State really doesn't have the depth like that. Yeah. So they got to play so much smarter, which is nothing for them because they've done this Brilliant. year after year. Absolutely. So I don't That's I, where I think that experience comes in because their bench has a way more experience in the NBA finals than the Raptors bench does, you know. Hmm. Even Sean Livingston. No, oh, no doubt. You know. Those are the I guys. I think Iggy's going to show back up. I think Iggy's like, "Okay, fine, let's go again." You just waiting on what, you know, what is Iggy going to do that changes the course of this game? Like the play last night was the Steph play when he drove, kicked it to Iggy, Ooh. Iggy immediately kicked it to Draymond who immediately Beautiful. kicked it. That was go- like you said last night. That was Golden State at his height. Like that's what they do. That was absolutely beautiful. The pump fake from Clay to send Kawhi into the crowd. Mm. Fam jumped completely out of the frame. Man, the way Clay Thompson Water. That jump shot is just that might Ray Allen had the most beautiful jump shot I'd ever seen. Klay Thompson's jump shots, his shot in general, man, like, you know, I got that in my bag, too. I was about bit. to say, fun fact, I learned my shooting form from Ray Allen on Inside Stuff. Shout out to Amara Rashad. Wow. But it was, yeah, but yeah. How beautiful of a stroke that is, man. It's like every time that thing goes up, it's it's a guarantee. But Klay Thompson, man, it's like when his shot doesn't hit all net, when it touches the rim and then the touch that he has on that shot, how it just just falls, falls in. Falls in. It's like I've never seen that before. And then Steph, of course, like off. But see, that's what we were talking about last night, them being 1A, 1B, or whatever you want to call it. I'm going to call it equal because I, Steph obviously has the 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 notch on the, the dribble, the shot, and the, the dribble. Exactly. His but, one-on-one game. But Clay off the catch lethal yeah. 
And Clay's better at defense. Oh, yeah. Damn. Clay is better at defense. <laughs> Clay off screens is something we haven't seen before. And like you said, that pump fake, yo, one the dribble, pump fake will step. send you will send you off. But he will find any little nook and cranny yep. to get a shot up. He yep. doesn't have to be balanced. Yep. He finds some kind of crazy way to get his shoulder squared yep. and just lets it go. Yes, yeah, it's, it's. And so Toronto, Toronto has the, you know, they got their hands I'm, I'm trying it, to to not say that yesterday was a death sentence for him, uh, for them because I know a lot of people are saying they had their opportunity. This is what it looks like when the team loses their grip of a series. That's how I felt. Yeah, you know, that yeah. was, a, you know, they were about a couple minutes away from, from celebrating. You felt the energy from the fans. They were ready to explode. They were ready to celebrate. All of that is on ice now. You don't even know if they will have that opportunity again. So, you know, if you're the Raptors, you like, First of all, I'm, I'm any if I'm on the Raptors, I'm playing physical defense. I'm letting it be known that y'all don't have KD and y'all gonna have to fight us basically to to get this three peat. Hey, where's Danny Green? Danny Green was on the uh, on the floor. Was he when uh, Kyle Lowry put it up? Was he in the game? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. And see, he was wide open too. Wow. You, know, you go back and look at. The tape, if He's Kawhi would have turned his head. How many points is he averaging? He is averaging eight. Where's Danny Green? Hey, Danny Green, are you out there? Trying, where, you know, where are there, Danny he's Green? He's trying to be the eager dollar. You know what I mean? He's Man, waiting please. on that moment to hit a three. Man, and we, everybody say, Danny Green, he did that on the Spurs. I watched brother. Clay Thompson burn him three or four times. His lack of defense, his lack of, of knowing where, like, come on, bro. You can't. Clay was wide open. Thank you. Your only job. Your job is to not let Clay t- boy. You supposed to be sticking. Hey man, Kawhi look here, looked man. up like no. <laughs> okay, he had to. Ka- Kawhi had to come from up under the rim for a contest. Had to sell out. Man, look, where's Danny Green, man? I don't know. <laughs> Danny He's Green. Danny Green for a second. Nick Nurse is looking for Danny Green. The Toronto fans are looking for Danny Green. The bigs. And mess marketing. <laughs> We're looking for Danny Green. See, Tim Anderson ain't getting no love on that uh, all-star ballot, my boy. So I'm over here looking at that right now, and he got a little love, but he deserves so much more. You know what I mean? I'm over here an advocate for the South Side. You know, take a lot of shit as far as jokes about fans don't come to the games, mm-hmm. yada, 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 hawk this, hawk that. They are very disrespectful to Sox fans. Right? Yeah. They are. Now, Tim Anderson has been doing his thing all year okay this is not a case of a player that had a hot month and cooled off we talking about 
a guy that has played like the best shortstop in the American League. So why do you think he's not getting the love? You know why? Uh, of course, I know. Because he just told them to people, I don't give a fuck. Okay, he told them people, I'm going to throw this bat in y'all face. Every time I, I, I put one, you know, on the other side of the fence. You know, and I think MLB has gotten, you know, caught in playing both sides when it comes to Tim Anderson because that on one end, they had this campaign where they they talking about let's let the kids play. And then on on the other end, they're suspending Tim Anderson for something that they don't even understand, that they don't even put in the work to understand the nuance, you know, nuance of the fact that when Tim Anderson Tim Anderson says nigga, it's completely different for somebody else that says it, you know. So so for that, you know, for that to be what's going on with Tim Anderson, I think he's caught in. This weird place in baseball where fans are not sure if they're supposed to su- uh, support a player like this. He's, you know? he's currently in the league. He is the tenth. His batting average. He's tenth in the league with three twenty right now. The whole league, in not the just entire, shortstops. In all of Major League Baseball. You know, so and and so, Jen, you're right, man. I definitely don't think Tim is getting the love that he deserves. I think that White Sox fans need to go harder for this man. Where is he? Is he fourth on the ballot? He's fourth on the ballot. You need to be in the top three to go into the final round of fan voting. Okay. He's within striking distance, but he should be top two. You come on, me? come on, White Sox. Come on, Chicago in general, man. Look, Thank you. Cubs fan, Sox fan, Bear, whatever you fan can vote, you are. You can vote for Javi and Tim. Come on, y'all. Let's make this happen, man. You can vote, you know, Lucas Giolito, he, he's been doing this thing. I have no doubt that this man is about to, you know, get all the accolades uh, as far as midseason, you know, all-star, you know, appearances goes. He's most likely going to be the starter for the American League. Real. I'm going to play um fan that hasn't watched a ton of games because there's too many games. <laughs> um, but did not know that Giolito is tied in baseball for number one with most wins. Him, Verlander, Ryu, and German. But – the, the crazy part is that I just I don't think people, because of the narrative, you're a Sox fan, you're like, eh, you kind of wrote the year off at the top of the mm-hmm. year, and you're hoping that the team gels because that's the point. It's so young, so many young players, you're like, just get together, be friends, like each other, because I think that the intangibles that come from that help on the actual field. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, now, I, I got to go back with you because I'm not sure that White Sox fans went into this season writing it off. I think that this was a season where we were expecting some kind some kind of sign of progression, which is why we were so thirsty in the offseason for management to bite on one of these free agents to throw them into the mix because we had seen signs of this team being cohesive in the clubhouse. Yeah. You know, that they, they enjoyed being around each other, but we weren't seeing it on the field. That's a fact. Right. So I think what I, let me take a step back then and, and clarify my statement. I think the thing for, for me when I said that was when they struck out on Machado, when they struck out on mm-hmm, Harper, mm-hmm. and realistically, yeah. I think that was when I was like, okay, this just let them figure okay. it out this year. You know, they're going to be yeah. cold because you can see the pieces starting to come together, but let them figure it out. Yeah, the growth, like T said, uh, I, like we always talked about, he's the Sox expert, but I was just <laughs> telling him, like, for y'all over there, and again, with me, it's Chicago or nothing. I'm on the north side. T is on the south side. But we both Chicago or nothing. But I just said I wanted to see some growth from the young guys who was, who are going to lead the team for the next five to ten years. And Giolito, Tim, and Johan Mankata have definitely shown lots of growth, even more than I expected. So 
I'm cool with it, man. Def- definitely, man. That's what matters for sure. We've seen uh, throughout these first couple of months of the season, you know, a lot of progress from those players you just named. So here's a question, and it's actually for both Chicago baseball teams. But we're about – interleague is next week, so I think that kind of symbolizes, you know, summertime, midway through the season, mm-hmm. all-star break. Who are the three players on each respective Chicago baseball team that people should watch for the rest of the season? It, sure. it could be somebody a, a, a front runner. It could be somebody who's young and on their way up. Who are those people to watch? Are you – if you're a White Sox fan, you know off the top, number one is Eloy Jimenez, who is starting to tag the hell out of the ball. I Man. think he hit one about 480 Man, feet. Man, brother. Smacked it. Good Lord. The, the, the big baby over there, you know, I'm trying to figure out which way I'm going to go with the nickname because the, the dude is amazing as far as his just, his raw talent. Mm-hmm. You see it at the plate for sure. You're waiting to see him put together a string of consistent baseball, but you see it. You know, after that, I'm looking at Tim Anderson uh, to see if he can finish out this, this season at a high level because at this point, I'm just in awe of how he's been able to to stay at a high level. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't even front, you know, the way he, he started the year. I'm, I was expecting a, a bit cool off. I was expecting him to go back to around 290, which would have been a bunch of progress for Tim. He's still batting around 320. Yeah. You know, still playing stellar defense, still great on the base pass, still being the leader that this team has needed. Killer. That, you know, for somebody not named Jose Abreu to be stepping up and, you know, becoming a leader for this team is huge. So you're definitely watching how he's able to progress and, and stay in that leadership role throughout this, you know, throughout this year. After that, I'm looking at Ronaldo Lopez. I know a lot of people – you know, I'm going to be looking at Lucas Giolito and the way he's been able to turn just his whole career around. But Ronaldo Lopez is one of the guys going into the season that you expected to take a big jump, and instead he's kind of gone backwards. Hmm. So for the rest of the season, you're looking to see if Ronaldo can almost kind of follow in Lucas's footsteps and get a little bit of that mojo going because we need that from this starting rotation. We need more than just Lucas Giolito to look like they belong up here. And Ronaldo Lopez, it's high time for him to get back into the mix of things and, and looking like he did last year. I feel that. I feel that for the Cubs. Uh, obviously, Javi. Mago. Obviously, El Mago. Hey, man. Obviously, Javi. <laughs> He's he, you know I feel you. Yeah, yeah, but that's a that's a whole another episode we can talk about. But yeah, Javi obviously um came in second in the NL MVP race last year, so he's looking to one up that. And you know, personal stats. I love baseball because baseball is like the only team sport where the individual is like you have to do you. Do your part. Your part is what matters. So Javi just plays the game with a natural flair, a natural love. He goes all out. It's something that Joe always says, you you know, you don't want to take that away from him because that's him. Like him sliding head first, not even sliding, but diving head first in the first base or, you know, trying to make the extra play. <laughs> Crazy. Trying to take home on a ball that normally no one would. And usually 95% of the time he'll make it. So just – Javi adding that element to the game, the exciting, making the game more exciting, obviously Javi. 
the starting pitching, I'm going to use them all as one because right now it's such a beauty to watch my boy Poetry in Motion, Kyle Hendricks, go out on the mound with such precision and the mental makeup, man. It's like no one, unless you've done it yourself or you've been on a level high enough to understand what Kyle Hendricks does when he goes out there, then it's it's totally amazing. If you guys watch Greg Maddox, then it's, it's, it's eerie, eerily similar. It's crazy how similar it is, actually. And we talked about it the other day. I talked to him in the clubhouse. And, man, he the the way he talks, I mean, he, he went to, where did he go to school? What's the Ivy? Dartmouth. So, he you know, he could be a professor. Actually, he looks like a professor. It's definitely a work of art. Uh, when this man gets up there and 70 pitches in, he's just mowing people down in the seventh inning, you know? Breaking bats and... You know, balls that look like they're coming right down the middle that you should knock out the park, and then you get a, like a little uh, a pop out to second or a, oh, a yeah. little measly ground ball back to the – it's just great to watch. Mm-hmm. But then all the other guys, John Lester's going to be coming back, and that's one guy I'm not worried about, John Lester. I'm not worried about him, man. This is what he gets paid the big bucks for. He's going to come around when we need him like he always does. Cole Hamels is the guy that okay. I'm really surprised at. He, he, I thought he was cooked, but On the real. I thought he was cooked. And then they offered him the 20 mil the extension last year. And it was like, well, maybe they, well, actually, it was because you, Darvish, and Tyler Chatwood wasn't no shit last year. So they had dollars. to shore yeah. it up. But it's been a good investment. Even you, Darvish, I mean, even last night, he wasn't great, but he's, he's okay. But again, I'm looking for him. As time goes, I'm looking for him to become himself, grow that nutsack that we talked about <laughs> earlier in the episode one or two, and, and be that backbone. Maybe not the ace, obviously not the ace, but when we need. But when, isn't that what he was signed to be? Was of course he? it was. Of course it was. No shorts. We're not cutting him no slack, but I'm just saying we've held up to this point, and Joe is going to keep giving him the ball every five days. Oh, yeah. So we're just looking for him, and then – Q, your boy from the south side. Q has been steady, and you know what you're going to get out of Q, another guy who's out, who's mentally focused. The physical part is another thing, but we know how much how mental this game is. So Q is another guy who goes out there, locks in mentally, Definitely. gets the job done, and you got to score some runs for him. He had a great game the other day. Who I forgot who they played, the kid from uh, – Colorado was it yeah it was Colorado the first game they lost he just had a, an outstanding game mm-hmm. but you know Q had to take the back seat because that guy was lights out but the starting pitching is the engine man period for the Cubs and then Kyle Schwarber because this is the best I've ever seen him not again numbers wise he's on the third he found a position in uh at the top of the lineup Joe is gonna continue to jump that's why you gotta love Joe because Joe is gonna stick to his script and, and you you and Theo and Jed they love Kyle Schwarber. He's not going anywhere. But like you said, I'm glad that Joe mm. has found a a role for Kyle to be that lead off hitter because don't forget when he came back from injury. Remember he he sat in that batter's box and he took like 3,500 pitches, didn't swing at one. He was just, just trying to, to get, get that, that eye right. back. Yep. And that's a crucial, you know, with the with this new wave of baseball. You know, remember the leadoff hitter used to be the guy that would bunt. Exactly. Yo, you, you get him yo, over the third. Small ball type player. No way. It's a new day. But having that eye at the top of the lineup is so crucial. And I see Kyle getting that. And then being a 30-home run guy, you those guys don't grow on trees. See, now, and this is my question to you because 
I'm surprised by what you just said because Kyle Schwarber, you know, yes, he's doing this thing now, but he's had a reputation of yep. a talented hitter. Yep. What about that bullpen? I know they just made a move uh, and grabbed Kimbrell. Is it anybody? Are you worried about anybody else? We saw C uh, Shack give it up mm-hmm. just yesterday. Are you worried about how they, you know, grow throughout the year? No, I'm not worried about it because, again, you hear all this talk and this, these narratives. Around baseball, bullpens are not what they used to be, all around baseball. But I'm not worried. I'm not worried at all. The Craig Kimbrell signing is fantastic. Hopefully he can come back and be a shell of himself. Let me tell you something, man. F- looking from my White Sox lens, I wish we had a GM that was willing to push the button when it was time to push the button. George pushed the button, man. Because I feel like Theo does, you know, his things in a way where he makes the fans feel like this was y'all idea. You know, it's like, look, y'all want Kimbrough? Guess what? Here's Kimbrough. You know what I mean? It's, it's something to be said for a GM in an organization that knows when it's time to do stuff like that. And that was a move that not only makes the team – I mean, not only makes the fans feel like you're serious, but it makes those guys in the clubhouse feel like, well, damn. You know what I mean? We 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 here to win it all. Let's all go. Right. Let's go win it all. You ask you know? any of those guys. We asked them all. I was there for the Craig Kimbrell intro. He was cool as hell. I was late. It was traffic like a mug on Lake Shore Drive, so I was late. I came, I showed up late. So as I'm walking in the in the presser, his wife is standing outside with the what? baby. So mm-hmm. I'm just chopping it up with them. You know, I'm like, man, welcome to Chicago. She's like, man, The conversations Craig. that count. Yeah, the ones that count. You know, mm-hmm. she's like, oh, the only black guy down here. He's cool. <laughs> so she's like, man, I say, welcome to Chicago. We They used to have in more diversity probably from Atlanta. <laughs> On the real. He, was he in Atlanta? He, he was, was in Atlanta race. too? He was raised for a long time. Before? Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Yeah, so she was really cool. You know, she's like, man, Craig is so happy to be here. You know, we didn't know what was going on. It was a trying time in our lives. But we, you know, we, we kept our heads down, just stayed focused, and now we're here. So I appreciate that. Thank you. So then when I got in the press, you know, he talked for a few minutes about how happy he was to be here, how he had been in Orlando at uh, Montverde High School working out the whole time. So he said he was ready to go. So Theo said, you know, he's going to go to Iowa. You know, he had been optioned to Iowa. He's going to go out to Arizona for a minute, get himself straight. Now we should be seeing him. Not going to rush him back. Not going to rush him back. Because like you said, again, as much heat as the bullpen gets, they're still one of the best bullpens yeah. in the National League. So yeah. I, don't, I don't really listen to those outside narratives. And that's one of the, you know, one of the things I know you know that I want to call some fans out is our boy CJ. You know, coming back from his stint in AAA has been reliable, like you want him to be. He, you know, he gave up a couple of walks, but in the big picture of things, he's been, he's been on the track to – who I think the Cubs want him to be. But I haven't heard anything from the fans about him, you know, improving and being better than what he was before. So nah, I, Matt Spiegel, but um, yeah, yeah. exactly. But you, you know, it's you, plenty. It's you're plenty not that deserve to be called out. And it was funny when we went to the uh, clubhouse the other day, shout out to Tony Gill from 670 to score. He was in, uh, he was in the Blue clubhouse check. for a couple of days. Blue check tone, uh, macaroni Tony. <laughs> he was in the building, but... So I was, you know, we were, I was just making sure he knew everybody, introduced himself to everybody. He, you know, Tony knows how to move around, so he didn't even really need oh, yeah, my he AA. Was, he was at home. So mm-hmm. we were over there talking to CJ, and then all the reporters walked up on CJ because they wanted to talk to him about Craig Kimbrell. Oh, yeah. It was that day. CJ said, oh, man, I, 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 I must have messed up today. I must have I walked a couple people today. 
So I just stepped away from him because <laughs> it was kind of funny at the same time. Because then he he wasn't shy about it. it. He said, man, because y'all don't come over here no other time. It's funny because it's true. It was <laughs> we, we both know that it's crickets. For you know, not just CJ, most of the bullpen arms, but for, uh, for CJ for sure, it's crickets until somebody took him long. He didn't gave up a couple walks and then pissed fans off. Then made fans nervous and all that kind of stuff. But when he's striking out, yeah, like when he's sitting them down, when yeah. he's having stainless innings, they they walking right past him. You, they it's like they almost forget he's there. So I don't blame CJ. For being like, oh damn, y'all want to holler? He Come said, on, let's he said, oh man, I must have messed up today. I'm like, I just turned my head and walked away. He like, man, because they don't come over here no other time, and then they all, you know, Mark Gonzalez is cool. Mark is fool. He laughed at it because they've been there for years. He know. They know oh, how yeah. it is. Yeah. Oh yeah. But it was a it was a funny moment. But again, man, gotta give a shout out to Joe Madden, bro. And Joe asked me about he asked me about the piece too. He said, hey man, whatever happened to the mm-hmm. thing? I said, man, we working on it. Oh yeah. So shout out to Joe. But you gotta. Love Joe for sticking to his script, man. He says, see, we can't win without CJ, bro. Like, he has to be the guy that he was when we won the World Series, and we're going to keep giving him the ball. He said he's got to stop the walks. And I think in his last 15 outings, he may have – he walked to his last outing, but overall he's been pretty much lights out. So shout-out to the bullpen. Shout-out to the Cubs. And I got to vote for NL Manager of the Year. Uh oh. This year. So uh man, y'all look out for your boy. Yes, man. sir. Official baseball writers uh plug right there. Shout out to my boy Paul Sullivan for the for the love, man. So I'm gonna make that happen. And um yeah, man. Kyle Schwarber, man, has been lights out lately. And um it's good to see him finally finding his own. So in a weird way, and this is something I'm not used to saying. But things are looking up for Chicago baseball. It is, on man. Both sides of town. Hey. That's the first last mm-hmm. time you would say that. Subway World Series is coming soon, man. It's been a while. And it's definitely good to say that for the South Side because we we've watched the Cubs, Sheesh. you know, have a you know, build a solidified roster and it's good to see the South Side kind of, you know, start making moves in that direction. But it's still so much more to do, you know, to yeah. get us into a place where we can, you know, having championship so expectations. You know, next week is in the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sox. You already know. Um, are you one of those Sox fans that hates the Cubs? You know what? And and this is this is almost a, a topic for another episode because it's a, <laughs> it's actually a long story. But I came up. I was an elite Cubs basher. Okay, my older brother oh, yeah. is a Cubs fan. What up, I, B? I actually just had a, a legit Cubs White Sox argument with him on Sunday. We're we're looking ahead to Cubs playing the White Sox and blah, blah, blah. He's telling me, you know, I don't want to hear how many wins they got and we only got five more wins than them and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, okay, well, check this. White Sox going to whoop the Cubs' ass Uh on the 18th and 19th. How about that? Y'all going to run into Lucas Giolito. Tim Anderson, Yoel Mankata, and we're going to put a few on the board at Wrigley. I, I like the sound of that. Me too. Not to mention they play on my 30th birthday on Wednesday. Uh Uh-oh. It's is only it, is right. It at, is it at uh, guaranteed? It, no, it's at Wrigley? at Wrigley. It's at the friendly, friendly confines. How perfect is that? The baseball guys are shining on your boy right now. So I just, I'm really excited because I just found the first interleague shirt from '97. <laughs> I got it at the crib right now. It just came yesterday. Oh wow! Yes, sir. I'm, game. I'm really excited because it's crazy because I, I'm a Sox fan. My Thank dad, you. my grandpa. <laughs> I don't care about what the Cubs are doing to the point where. My man Gene has to keep me updated because I don't be knowing. <laughs> I was like, hey, congrats. Great. 
But I think it, there's two types of Sox fans. There's Sox fans who care about the Cubs and Sox fans who don't. All right. And on your side, I feel like majority of Cubs fans don't pay attention to the Sox, just in general. They don't. I th- it's a new day, too, especially now that the Cubs are winning. Not a oh, yeah. damn winner. It's circle. definitely a new day because the Cubs fans have this weird way of saying Oscars? that. You mean the old black Oscars? Yeah. Mm. Look, th- this is how they say that they're. This is how they say that they're Chicago or nothing, my Gino. Right. So this is how it goes. I don't give a fuck about the Sox. Fuck them. I don't, I don't really care what's going on with them, but I. I'm Chicago or nothing. And it's like, but why is it? What happened? Right. Yeah. So I I think. I just don't care. Yeah. I just don't care. It's been, I think Cubs fans are, uh, you know, they they getting used to having a winning team. And we're honestly winning teams. They don't, they shouldn't care about what teams like the White Sox are doing. But when we come together, I got a feeling that this is a season where these games are going to end up mattering. Don't, Mm -hmm. don't let it. Go down where at the end of the season the Cubs are one game out and they didn't lost two, you know, three uh, or four to uh, to the White Sox and White Sox are gonna get to walk around like, I yeah, might, might we stopped so. y'all from uh, <laughs> from the from the from them offs. Yeah, <laughs> wild card. Y'all got some in the group chat right quick. <laughs> hey, what happened, guys? Yeah, no, also that, the idea of Tim Anderson unleashed at Wrigley Field is so thank you, man. That's, that's really thank you. That's gonna be ill. That's telling you that that's really what we've been waiting on. It it hasn't had. Any kind of storyline like that for years. Ta, right. pull up to the show, man. You're yeah, around. can can we get can James McCann punch Chris Bryant in the face one oh, time? No, can we, we get the no, AJ Pruszynski, Michael no, Berry? No. Can we run Them it back? Them days over with. Ain't no punching going on over there, man. Come on, Ill Will. Mike, you may have to take. You may have to get slugged, and we we may have to get oh, it back. Today. You don't want to <laughs> be fighting with Ill Will right now, especially with Venezuela uh, on his back. Oh yeah. Nah, you might want to punch Daniel Descalzo or something <laughs> like that. No, nah, y'all want y'all want somebody to punch. Hey, hey you don't want it. You don't want to smoke with El Mago either, because you know. Yeah. Hey, El, I don't know what El, <laughs> yo, you're gonna have to play it safe with El Mago. That's WrestleMania. What y'all talking about? Uh, also, before we get out of here this week, I want to give a shout out to whoever in Australia. Is, hey. is rocking with the bigs well, because they have consistently listened to every single episode and downloaded every episode. We shout out to the Australians. Much love to uh, our mates and good yeah, day, our mates. mates. Our, our mates down under. Yeah, post up, <laughs> shout out to y'all. We we appreciate it. Whoever you are, man, that's real love, man. Shout Definitely. out to everybody that's continually rocking with the bigs, man. Period. Anytime, hey man. Anytime I hop on the live for my post game wrap up, I need to start showing Twitter more love. But I don't think I, my Facebook. The Facebook fans are amazing, man. They, they, are. they can't wait to see the big show up on the post game wrap up. They always show love. They always engage. So again, shout out to all the supporters, all the fans, all the followers, Twitter, Facebook, IG, wherever you coming from, Australia, London, Jamaica, exactly. wherever you coming from, man. We are more than appreciative of the love. And, uh, man, I always say it, and I'm going to continue to say it, there would be no us without y'all, man. Period, definitely. Um, like Gino said, thank y'all for listening. Thank our mess family for, for uh, rolling out the red carpet for us to do our thing. You're rocking with the bigs. Hey, man, until next time, it's us. We out. Back again, and I ain't talking about practice no more. When it's game time, show me to the stove. All the yo dope, yeah, nigga, we track traffic in. They asking for more. Is you back again? Uh, Greens Road under the gazebo. Lemonade level vodka, backgammon playing keno. Musical mafia. 
Loaded bases bring my team home. I'm the great Bambino. Roulette wheels in the casino. Fat Max skimming off the top, but that's the game we in. What you gonna do about it, huh? Sacrifice and hit the independent? Probably not. They not like me. That's why they don't like me. Me, I'm like.